0: Welcome in to another episode of Turn the Corner A Detroit Tigers Podcast. I'm Kieran Steckley. With me as always is a man who is a definition of major key. He is Cody Stavenhagen. How you doing?
1: Hey, I'm doing good, Kieran. How are you? I'm doing I just great. saw you like three days ago.
0: <laughs> yeah, it was a nice little uh nice little friend vacation for both of us. I was barely at my house, to be honest. Uh work, ball game, work, ball game, work, ball game. Uh, it was great seeing you, great hanging out. I just realized not too long ago. I was like we didn't take any pictures. I'm always bad about that. Didn't, <laughs> didn't take any pictures, but uh,
1: did you get the picture your wife wanted? Because she was bugging you about it. I never saw you do it.
0: We uh, we did take a picture after the game on Tuesday, like okay. back. She wanted to do it back where our actual seats were, you know. So so we did get some pictures. I haven't posted them. Um, I yeah. did post a picture of myself, my dad, I, yeah, and yeah, and with it, your dad, my two brothers, and. Uh, I got to tell you, that was an amazing experience, uh, and I know he felt the same way because, you know, one of those things that didn't have, you know, easily could not have been able to do, right? Right, right. So, no,
1: I was I was lucky enough to come down there and visit for a little bit, and, and you know, you could tell Mike was living it up, you know, uh, being at the ball game. He had his had his soda. He's complaining he couldn't have a beer because uh, he's on a lot of medication still. I was like, this, this is the Mike I know. Yep. So, he was happy.
0: Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, it was great to... Yeah, for you to be there and chat them up and stuff and so yeah it was a great week for me like it was a lot of fun i got to see you family time date night at the ballpark had a a great time the tigers split i can't say wednesday night was the most fun i've ever had at a ball game (laughs) uh but (laughs) it was just a wild series cody like there was no way we could have predicted that kind of News or that the like the the various versions of this team that we saw. Keep in mind, playing in Texas. I don't know it off the top of my head. I don't think a lot of teams this year have gone two or three or two or four at Texas. Uh, so it was a great thing for the team, I think, and to respond on Thursday, Torque hit like what three home runs, uh, in the series. Three in the series. Got yeah. got to see a Bañez get a little revenge, you know. Uh. Lately, been seeing former Tigers get revenge on the team. So, you know, it was nice <laughs> to get it the other direction. And obviously had the the news, the Matthew Boyd news, and and Reese, you know, taking a ball. Looks like he's going to be fine. Uh, but, yeah, what a wild series. What did you kind of think of that? Because I, I literally told you after the game on Thursday, it's like, we could just do the pod about this series, and it would, like, cover yeah. so many uh, avenues. But being there for all the ups and downs of playing a team that uh, is among the favorites to win the World Series – You know, what were kind of your observations from uh, from those four days down in Arlington?
1: Well, I think I had told you it's kind of strange to think the Tigers walked away having split that series because it didn't feel like it because Wednesday they got absolutely pummeled, played horribly. Uh, First game, you lose you lose Boyd and you lose Vest in the span of two innings. It felt like an absolute tailspin. Strange to think they, uh, you know, didn't just implode that game. Uh, it, it felt like there was a lot of damage and some rough play, but then you look up and you split a series with the Texas Rangers. You will take that any day of the week. The offense got shut out one game, had a, you know series finale. The offense played really well. You saw Torque swing it. But it is hard to overlook the story of the injuries, even if this wasn't your prized young pitchers, even if this wasn't... Um, I mean, Boyd is probably tradable. You could already invest was tradable, but it, you know, not to the degree of Eduardo Rodriguez. Even if it wasn't those prime pieces, it still was tough to swallow right when you think the Tigers are getting healthy. Scooble and Erod are back in the majors next week. Akeel Badu's on a rehab assignment. Riley Green, probably going to start a rehab assignment soon. And you lose two more guys in two innings. And, of course, Matthew Boyd, you could kind of tell right when it happened that it wasn't going to be good. And... Uh, Not even 24 hours later, they they knew he needed Tommy John surgery. Awful, uh, Obviously a terrible break for a a guy a lot of people really respect.
0: Well, in addition to the respect and the professionalism that he brings, it's a bad time for his career. He had just had the season-ending surgery two years ago. He wasn't really recovered, but he kind of pitched, you know, obviously a little bit over there in Seattle. He signs for one year, ten million. The stipulation he wouldn't talk to teams. That didn't that wouldn't make him a starter. That's probably I mean, I don't want to tell somebody what to do. That might be the last time he gets to probably have that the last time. have that stipulation.
1: I will say, someone had pointed this out to me. Sometimes it's good to have Scott Boris as your agent, because Boyd, I don't know what the exact medicals were on him in twenty twenty one when he had his flexor tendon surgery. But With kind of what we know about things, sometimes it's like, all right, if you're a pitcher, your UCL has some level of damage. If he was having arm pain, they probably could have done Tommy John at the time. You know, that might have been an option that was on the table. And Boyd didn't do that. He had the flexor tendon, which leads to a quicker recovery. He got paid. Pitched just barely out of the bullpen for the Mariners. Came back, got a deal as a starter. He basically got two contracts out of delaying that Tommy John. Both from teams that employ Scott Harris, by the way, uh, didn't pitch very much in that span, but ends up being pretty good for his career. He got some money and he got some opportunities. Um, I, next time, I don't know if he'll be able to get a major league deal. Obviously, um, it's 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 a really bad break. Guys can recover and come back from Tommy John better than they used to. So I'm not declaring his career over by any means, but I think it is good for Matt Boyd that he got paid. When he did, uh, because right now it looks it looks very smart by Boyd and Scott Boris. Scott Boris.
0: Yeah, and you know, not gonna put anything past Scott front of the podcast. Uh, being able to figure something out for Boyd, like in the future or whatever, he'll probably get at least one more contract. That's you know, a nice little chunk of change. Maybe not the first one post surgery, but maybe the second one depending on right. on how things go.
1: And that is kind of the elephant in the room. And that the little we saw Boyd this year, he wasn't. He wasn't great, you know. I, I thought his stuff was never as sharp as, like, 2019 Boyd. He had been billed as, hey, I'm a different pitcher. That's what he said. That's what Scott Harris said. They thought, you know, the way his changeup had progressed in, in San Francisco and Seattle was going to make him effective again, and we just never really saw it. It was rare to see his fastball slider and changeup all clicking at the same time. Uh, we saw a lot of the things were going good for a few innings, then boom, three-run home run we, you know, we saw those stereotypical Matt Boyd outings a lot. Um, and that was, that was kind of the bummer in all this, um, that, you know, the Tigers had taken a bit of a, a risk on Boyd. Boyd, of course, he's an eternal optimist. He thought he was going to be better than ever, but we didn't really see that in action in his short time this season.
0: Yeah. And it'd be unfortunate if that's like Kinda the last time we see him in a Tiger uniform, a guy that was like so good being one of the I don't want to say like face of the franchise, but one of the front facing people of the franchise.
1: Uh, Front facing in some very difficult years. And I will always respect Boyd for that. I know a lot of fans out there, you know, probably over watching him pitch and all that. I get it. But Boyd had the rare component of being a guy who really wanted to be part of this thing and I think really wanted to see the Tigers have success and be here when that day comes. Now, obviously, that is very hazy. One of those things that uh, life doesn't always go according to plan, and it sucks.
0: It does, and you know, like the the best thing happening right afterward. And then, like I was in behind the right field stands and kind of like a standing area when uh, Reese got hit, and you could hear no, it was left field. Excuse me, but you could hear it. Like you could, yeah. you could hear it, and you know, see the way he kind of hobbled, and uh, like I said, it looks like overall he'll be okay. He did this the line of, "I'll make my next start." We'll see. Uh, but
1: <laughs> <laughs> never heard anyone say that before.
0: But you know, in terms of some of the positives from the series, like Tyler Alexander, who you know just got named Player of the Month in June, uh, Pitcher of the Month, I should say, for the team, uh, I, Pretty lights out. Pretty lights out in, in, in some extended work. The bullpen itself, yeah, two bullpen games, essentially, with some depleted uh, assets there. It, I don't think we're talking enough about, like, like, we say AJ makes the right moves. And we get really upset when, like, the bullpen blows a lead or Alex, a- Alex Lang is uh not sharp, which we're not talking enough about. He's not sharp right now. Uh, but the bullpen,
1: it's one that's been (laughs) brushed under the rug a little bit.
0: Oh, let's talk about it now. What's going on with Alex Langs? This was a guy that, all right, he's stepping into the quote unquote, closer role, quote unquote, and he has been lights out at times, but I, you know, I watched that last inning there, uh, on Thursday and it just, he's not spotting. He doesn't seem, it doesn't seem like he's in sync with like what the, the the attack plan is and 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 that's just literally like like physically like why can't too many misses in a row to to be not be out of sync right that's just i'm not trying to say he doesn't buy in or doesn't know the plan but he's just not executing and it's getting harder and harder to actually feel all that confident that when he comes in that the lights are going out even if they occasionally happen prematurely
1: <laughs> right, which did happen at Comerica for mm-hmm. anyone who missed that. That uh, was kind of hilarious. Lang, I look, I think he looks out of sync a little bit physically, and I haven't pinpointed exactly what it is, but the root of his issues has been command. Um, this is a guy who throws breaking balls 60% of the time, so he doesn't have to be in a uh, traditional breaking ball count to throw his curve ball, but he's really struggled commanding the fastball and the sinker and even the, the curve ball. I feel like it's been spiked a little bit more often. Than normal. If you go back and look at his recent outings, you know, in, I mean, let's just look at the month of June. Um, an 11.57 ERA in 9.1 innings. He gave up 12 earned runs. He walked 10 batters in nine innings. It's as simple as that. The command hasn't been there. He's been a little bit hittable too, which maybe is a product of being in some bad counts. Also, maybe command. Um, when he's missing, it's not just for balls. I feel like he's missed over the heart of the plate a little bit. It is rough to see. It's one of th- those things you would like to shake off is, hey, sometimes this happens, the ups and downs of relievers. But it is kind of alarming. You want to see him get back on track. And uh, I've never really been in favor of the Tigers trading Alex Lang, but one way to ensure that's not even a conversation is probably if these struggles continue for the next couple weeks here.
0: Well, there's... There's two things I think are likely reasons for this. I think one of them is just in general over taxation of, uh, of the bullpen, which as well as they've been doing, they did, had by far the most innings, right? Uh, logged in June. And I
1: actually think they finished second so to oh, somehow oh, or, or San Francisco, San Francisco.
0: Oh, my bet. I thought they, I thought they had that, uh, thought they were secretariat in that race, but, uh, but, but yeah, regardless, they logged a lot of innings. and laying... Most
1: of any team in the American League.
0: Okay, American League. All right, well, I, by the way, side note, I was on Baseball Reference, and they have, like, the breakdowns of, like, team records and these scenarios or whatever, and they still use, like, interleague play. And it's like, <laughs> right. Dude, is not that, really that's a thing. not really a thing anymore. Like, do we yeah. have to do this? But anyway, Um I think the second reason is I think it's possible this might be just right now for him, like a tier above what he's best at role wise. Maybe more of what he was doing last year is his more ideal role right now. And, or you could say he's still adjusting to being that back end guy, that the back end guy, I should say. Uh, and we should be a little bit more patient, one could argue. Cause, cause Hinch does like use him in. Various situations that I don't think he was using Soto in uh, the past couple years. So maybe may, maybe that's part of it, too. So what, did any of that kind of resonate with you?
1: I think the workload thing is real. Um, Ling went a bit without pitching there as the Tigers were struggling and, and all that. But I think Hinch felt like he needed a rest. Alex Lang had been called upon um, often this season in different roles. You could wonder, could that take a little bit of a toll on a young pitcher, a guy, especially a guy still getting accustomed to being in in so many crucial situations. Um, I feel like at the end of May, he was used pretty frequently. I mean, he, he, I, I wonder, not even so much specific to Lang, the bullpen had been taxed so hard all month that you kind of felt like at some point things were going to blow up, and you know that was one of the things that happened in that Wednesday game against the Rangers. Argue if Kerry Carpenter makes a catch in deep left, it's a, a much different story. <laughs> but look, when you lean on your bullpen time after time after time, it's not really a criticism of AJ. It's a criticism of nothing. It's, it's guys getting hurt. Left to the Tigers, very few options. They did have some performances by starters that didn't get them deep enough into games. And that's one of those things that in the major leagues, you just don't see teams get away with very often. The more you use your bullpen, the more likely it is. Uh, things are going to start cracking.
0: Yeah, for sure. And, and, you know, a guy who did his bullpen a favor this week was Matt Manning. I mean, did th- <laughs> th- the team yeah. a favor.
1: Which is that That was another weird thing about the the Rangers series. Matt Manning gives you a great start. It was that game that the Tigers lost, you know, <laughs> five and two thirds in his return. I didn't think his stuff was incredible by any means. Um, I thought he got away with a couple pitches, wasn't ahead in enough counts uh in that last inning, put the guys the the team in a bad position with a walk and a hit by pitch but it was kind of typical of Matt manning in which you didn't feel like he was overly sharp and then you look up well okay five and two thirds what what do you finish with two earned runs like you will take that anytime. Wow. So yes, classic Matt Manning. And for the millionth time, I kind of wrote the, what is Matt Manning story? Because we still don't know.
0: Did you just uh, save your uh, template from the the previous one that you had written? Uh, No, I probably should have. (laughs) It was
1: probably pretty similar, maybe a little more emphasis on injuries this time. That is ultimately what has kept us from getting to know much of a definitive verdict on Matt Manning, unless that is the verdict that maybe he's an injury prone back rotation type guy. Uh, but what was it? 32, 33 major league starts?
0: 33. It's
1: kind of strange. 33. Doesn't that number feel low? Like we have barely seen Matt Manning pitch. He is not. He's pretty much got one season of workload in the big leagues spread out over the past three years. That's a natural explanation for why someone's development would be kind of topsy-turvy.
0: So when I read your story, that 33 number smacked me in the face. And I was like, I gotta I gotta contextualize this somehow so I just went to Eduardo Rodriguez career page mm-hmm. Matt Manning is 25 and in erod's age 26 season 2019 he had 34 starts Wow <laughs> so wow that's interesting so in his career for Matt Manning he has less starts than erod's age 26 season and Matt Manning is basically halfway to 26 okay so I like that kind of also kind of tells you and and
1: well tell the people what Erod did in 2019. Uh finished sixth in this ALC Young. Voting.
0: Yeah. I mean so it, it's a lot of bold, it's a lot of bold on that line uh you know for leading the league or career you know whatever. Like that was a that was a great year for him obviously. So yeah, 34 starts, 33 starts in his career for Matt Manning which base so basically we've seen him one season's worth. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I, again, just to like put that in perspective. Uh,
1: no, just don't read off those same numbers for Casey Mize and Tarek Skubel because it's, <laughs> it's
0: pretty similar. <laughs> yeah. It's a, uh, it, it's not ideal in that department, but uh, another thing I think that we learned, Cody was something that you put in your story regarding uh special Torkelson, who, as we said, had three home runs. he, Essentially, was one home run per game on average because he didn't play on Wednesday, right? And you said something interesting in your story regarding like the Tigers like track what is this? They like track energy output or something like that, and 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 then they the theory being that like the more exerted your body is, the more susceptible you are to injuries. Is that kind of a good way to?
1: Yes, Uh, it's one of these things. Pod listeners know the Tigers are pretty secretive about their training methods, especially they did revamp things and try to improve things this past offseason. They have been, uh, they have declined to share any actual tangible details that I can write about or talk about on the pod. But the good thing is, if you're around the team long enough, you learn things and you hear things. And so, through some other ways of acquiring information, I got a little bit. And. It was very relevant in the case of Spencer Twerkelson, who had played a ton almost every single game in the month of June. The Tigers use, you know, I think it's Trackman Hawkeye radar data plus some other fancy stuff that I don't even understand to track a lot like the number of sprints. What qualifies as a sprint? I don't know. But basically, how much a player sprints during a game or maybe even like before a game. Uh, I think the amount of swings, the intensity of swings, intensity of throws, like even for position players, these things are tracked. I think they look at them in 5, 7, 28-day windows, kind of various periods of time to get a more accurate reflection of how much of a toll is this action taking on a player's body. And there's kind of a a green-yellow-red system, like a stoplight. So green, you're healthy, you're good, yellow... You're veering toward suddenly your injury risk. Maybe you should find a day. If you're in the red, you're in trouble. You definitely need a day off. Torkelson, my understanding, he had been firmly in the yellow, maybe even um, dipping toward red for a minute. Uh, AJ Hinch had played him Sunday before the Tigers headed to Texas, kind of trying to win that series. Was really looking to get him a day off. It finally happened in the Rangers series on Wednesday. Thursday, Torque shows up, hits two home runs. Now, that's probably too simple of an explanation for exactly why, but we do know the Tigers, you know, biometric staff or whatever, viewed Torkelson as pretty fatigued, and it was showing in his performance. He entered that series on a 4-for-39 spell, and kind of crazy what one day off can do. He went out there and popped a couple homers the next day, So interesting for Torque and interesting to give us a little more insight into how the Tigers are monitoring.
0: Yeah, because like I said, it's really the only thing that we've ever uh, gone off there. And, you know, the Torque Manning, kind of the same for for you from a writing perspective. You could probably take that Torque story and write it in six weeks when, you know, he has three home runs. (laughs) For the millionth
1: time, yeah. We keep seeing these glimmers. It's just the, uh, I think I wrote, you know, the, the peaks are high, but they're not really sustained, and the lulls are going on for a long time. And that's really what has to change. It's not like Torque is going to come out and go two for four every single night. Pretty much no one does that. There are very few players in the history of the game with that level of consistency, and they tend to be more like your Tony Gwynn, your like line drive type hitters. But you need Torquels to stay hot for a little longer, to access the power more consistently, and to find a way to break out of the slumps a little bit quicker to adjust to the league. I think that's the key. uh, If he is going to really prove himself as the Tigers. Yeah. And you know,
0: specific to the Thursday home runs, they were crucial each time in their own way. uh, They tied the game, the first one. And they
1: were big hits and -hmm. they were pull side in the air, which is the whole thing. How can he combine pulling the ball, hitting it hard, elevating it all at the same time. We've kind of seen him do those three things that are key for a lot of power hitters, just not all together. He'll pull it on the ground, or he'll hit it in the air softly, or he'll drive it... I mean, using the big part of the field is viewed as a good thing, and there are a lot of hits in the big part of the field and all that, but sometimes that power is to the pull side, man. And I think hopefully that's something Twerk is starting to realize a little bit. It's dangerous to get too pull happy, but I think for hitters like him, you cannot be afraid you know, of know, I th-
0: the I think when we... Kind of do our assessments of the season, like at the end, because it's such a long season, you you kind of forget about certain things or certain factors or whatever. But I I want us to remember the fact that he didn't have Riley Green for this stretch and the the ebbs and flows, the good things that we saw, the 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 you know three for forty nine or whatever you said, like that. I want us to kind of take that consideration because he's literally had to step up into the lineup. You know what I mean, and 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 play a uh, and play a crucial role in kind of keeping the team somewhat afloat, which I think you could say right now they are somewhat afloat. Uh, so I think that's also a factor. He didn't have the lineup protection that uh, for these whatever six weeks or whatever.
1: Ooh, ooh, oh, this is this is gonna be a fun one. I'm trying to go into some deep territory here. One, if Twerkelson can't, like, emotionally handle not having Riley Green in the lineup, like, that is dumb. And I don't think that's true, and that would be weird. And in terms of lineup protection in general, uh, I don't believe in it. Uh, that's kind of a, you know, sabermetric thing. A lot of numbers have debunked that lineup protection is real. Now, a lot of hitters believe in it. They think they're going to get more pitches to see if they' well, a Well, I don't even
0: mean it in it. that way. I mean it, um, and not that, like, the emotional aspect, the, like, the physically we ex- need more from you aspect of it, not...
1: Yeah, the pressure more of it. it that one might be fair. Not that Twerk probably didn't already have a degree of pressure on him, but you're right, you know, other than being able to comfortably hit seventh and try to get going, it's probably a little bit different when you're seeing your name at two, three, four.
0: Yeah, i'll buy i'll buy into your, that point could potentially change your routine a little bit don't as uh, you know whatever so uh so yeah i mean it's just one of those things i think it's relevant uh how relevant is kind of for all of us to decide like on our own so yeah to summarize oh i'm i'm feeling i'm feeling okay about twerk with knowing there's things to go it makes me happy whenever i see him do well because it's like i just you know want this guy succeed uh for obvious reasons but You know, it's funny, Cody, you asked me, like, you know, how I was feeling or whatever, how I was doing, you know, at the top of this pod, and I am in a good mood. I'm in a good mood today, you know, it was a good week for me, it was a fun week, family, like I said, family, relationship time, had a barbecue yesterday, got to see my boy, like, it was awesome. But, man, I looked at some numbers, and the Tigers came from the month from hell, and I almost mean that literally. In June, you know what their OPS was? I don't know. Six, 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 six. Oof.
1: Yikes! It's not what you want to see. Oh god. Funny thing is, I was gonna guess lower. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Which uh, you know, obviously was to the lower end in Major League Baseball, as was their 4.58 ERA um, as a team, nine and 18 on the uh, on the month. Whew! That was a rough month. I want to congratulate everybody for getting through it. Uh, just for a second, like that was it was, was that was some lean days there. Um, but I think, uh, I think one of the things that has been getting people through the losses, <clears throat> through the losses, excuse me, is Colt Keith and the hype train that is only increasing in miles per hour. Like, but first, second pitch as a triple A baseball player, he, he hits. And then the other Friday night, Friday night, he hit one, what? 473?
1: 473.
0: That's nuts. Four, like, I couldn't even see the ball. It reminds me of whenever you like watch old clips of uh like yeah. Ray Jackson or Cecil Fielder like hitting it out, Kirk Gibson hitting it out of uh Tiger Stadium, like how do you know yeah, they hit I can't it out? even I can't see, even it, see right. the ball? <laughs> and that's that's what Colt Keats going through uh right now. And I'll I'll tell you what. Let's get a bold prediction time here, Cody. I, I think there's gonna be a lot of fans not wanting him to get too comfortable in Toledo. <laughs> I think you're gonna get a lot of questions. You probably oh, yeah, I was going to say, uh, uh. after his second pitch,
1: it was, why is he not in the majors? <laughs>
0: <laughs> and uh, the, the Toledo Mudheads in general are a team of, you know, wait for it, can't wait for it, and I'm okay waiting for it, depending on the player. Like, you know, wait for it, like the rehab assignments, you know, that's obviously usual. Can't wait for it, like Nick Colt Keith up here. Certain times Parker Meadows and okay to wait for it. I'm not really sure a lot of people are clamoring for Nick Maton right now, but that's essentially the uh, the the Toledo roster as a whole. And congrats to Colt and Jay Hen for being named to the uh, the Futures game. And it, it reminded me a couple years ago when Torque and Riley Green played in that. Uh, you know, two position player prospects you know, going to play in that game. So that's neat. You know, not nothing crazy, but it's neat. Good for them great accomplishment uh, but Cole Keith in general Cody uh, another guy that you're probably going to have to make a boilerplate story for uh, as to like having to explain why the Tigers aren't in a rush to bring him up but I there's going to be the as the days go on there's going to be less good reasons to not bring him up in many people's eyes and that doesn't mean that the reasons aren't good but there's going to be less of them because he's doing everything asked of him uh, and more, quite frankly. Yeah,
1: I want to see him a little bit longer in Triple A, but I, I had floated the idea that the Tigers, in kind of the middle part of June, were thinking, all right, let's bump him to Toledo after the Double A season ends, and if he hits well in Toledo, let's get him to the bigs. And it seemed like they had kind of backed off that thought, eh, reconsidered, let's take it slow. Well, the Double A season ended; they bumped him to Toledo. What exactly is the plan here? not sure what Scott Harris and, and Ryan Garco are thinking when a guy's hitting 438 through four games with two homers it's tough not to get excited <laughs> let's let's give him a little bit let's give him a month if you look up at the end of that and he's he's raking anywhere near this level I think there's gonna be reason to consider bringing Colt Keith to the big leagues I think he is that advanced of a hitting prospect I think he shows a better aptitude for Covering multiple pitches for leaning into his power as well as hitting the whole using the whole field, than Torkelson did at a similar point. Uh, more well-rounded hitter than Justin Henry Malloy, who started on a tear and then cooled off. Um, you know, Parker Meadows has been on a tear recently, but I always think back to what a scout told me regarding him, like kind of shrugged their shoulders and and said, "Just another mistake hitter." Uh, I hope that scout's wrong, but I don't think anyone's thinking that about Colt Keith. I think the more people have watched and observed Colt Keith, they're seeing a really, really advanced hitting prospect. Now, the field, of course, is a question. Can he play third? Can he play second? Does he have to move elsewhere? Talk to some people. I was told, you know, people saw some improvement in his time in Erie defensively. It's still really up in the air. Like, can he play well enough to sustain at third or maybe even second? I think that would be an easier conversation if Justin Henry Malloy could also field or Jace Young could also field, but instead th- probably your three best hitting prospects and throw Dylan Dingler in there, who is a good defender. Three of these guys, you don't know if you have a position for him. Like you can live with one of those guys. You can't live with three of those guys. Um, Keith is, he's a really driven dude. I've talked to him a little bit in the past, wrote about his off-season regimen. He's the type of guy you like to think will improve. Does he have the skill set to be adequate defensively in the major leagues? I don't know, and I think if anything will keep him in Toledo, it will be the defensive aspects.
0: You know, you've written about it a couple times, and I think an adequate amount considering, you know, he's still a guy that just got the AAA or whatever. Um, But as he gets closer or, you know, if he has any measure of success at the big league level, I think there ought to be some, like, kind of appreciation for his story a little bit. Uh, and I don't even mean, like, personal stuff. I don't know anything about that. But the coming out in the 2020 draft, like, that was a risky move to decide to not go to Arizona State, right? Like, I, I think that was, to be a fifth-round pick, I don't, I don't know if he got more, you know, I, I can't remember. But to be a fifth-round pick, last pick of, of that, or last yeah, round, right, of, of that draft. Someone had asked me. Yeah.
1: A while back, if Colt Keith had gone to Arizona State, where would he now be going in this draft? And that's a really interesting question. Based on the tier of prospect he is right now, he'd be a first-round pick.
0: Oh yeah, oh yeah, definitely. And and you know, playing at Arizona State would have given him some sort of profile as well. You know, like a market. I I think the question is there:
1: Would he be like back into the first round, or would this be like a top ten type guy? I don't know. I mean, he just shot up on MLB Pipeline's prospect list to, what, like 43,
0: 47? Yeah, 42 so something. Yeah, whatever. They're
1: going to be top 10 draft picks who probably aren't ranked that high right right off the bat.
0: Yeah, Jace Young being one of them.
1: Uh, <laughs> yeah, picked at 12 overall. So there you go. That, that might give us an idea of how good Colt Keith is.
0: Yeah, and to kind of bulk up and then slim down and – He's a guy that seems in terms of professionalism a little bit more mature than your average uh, 21, 22-year-old or whatever, Uh, so he takes this seriously. Like I said, he's changed his body a couple times. It seems like he actually does care about being a good fielder, like you said, and this has been as impressive a rise through the system in terms of hype level and actual prospect rankings as we've... Seen in a while from uh, from a Tigers Like
1: actual development and- that is going well, that is going best case, other than Riley Green, you could argue twerk. His was so short, it was kind of tough to even uh, get that. Other than Riley Green, who obviously was hyped at this level, when's the last guy that came out of nowhere to actually be good, not just have Twitter talking about him? I can't think of anyone in my time covering the team. I mean, Sco- no, scoobal no, on the pitching side.
0: But yeah, but like the like I said, the position player thing, uh, you know, changes it a little bit, and especially a team that has struggled to hit for years. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, you have this hot rising hitting prospect again, like a kind of like a follow up, because that's what we talked about a couple a couple of years ago, Cody. It's like who's kind of like the the next wave after Green and Torque, you know, reach the majors and. I would say Keith was on our radar, but not like we thought this would. Yeah, he's it, one of those it, it question mark guys. Level. There are
1: a lot of them. There was, you know, Gage Workman. He was kind of in that tier of like, well, you like some of the tools. What is he actually? You know, he's really young, being a high school guy. It's hard to tell. That's where he was, and Gage Workman's kind of leveled off. You don't hear people talking about him much anymore. Still strikes mm-hmm. out uh, a million times a year, and Colt Keith, man, I'm better than all y'all even knew. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah no i mean it, it, it's it's impressive and i'll tell you like when when it comes to what we were talking about last week with Mayton getting sent down and what the move was going to be and it became nevin a day later uh scope playing some third base it's not that exciting at the hot corner right now and if he <laughs> continues to hit for another three weeks and shows, again, adequacy at the field. Right. And the right. team is somewhat afloat. Right. Like, your reasons get down. And uh, and, and so... It, it is hard there, because another... what you don't
1: want to see is Colt Keith come up to majors and struggle to the degree Twerk did. Or even Riley Green was just okay last year, if we're being honest. Like, you could probably live with that. But you don't want him to be another one of those guys who comes up here and can't hit 200. So smarter people than me are paid to figure out how you really, really know when a guy's ready. Some struggles are going to be necessary at the big league level. uh, But you need him to be able to stay afloat at the same time. What I see from Colt Keith, I see a guy who I think can stay afloat.
0: Yeah, I mean, again, no reason not to think that. I mean, uh, you've never told me any sort of like, oh, this one scout said this and look out for this with yeah. anecdote with him like you have for like several guys. Some you share on here, some you haven't. Uh, so that tells me that it, it's like that. the fact that I haven't heard it speaks volumes, you know. Probably you know, so. The, yeah. Yeah. And, and so like I'm excited. I'm, like I said, I think if I was within an hour of Toledo, I'd be going there a lot. I'll just uh, I'll just say that uh, you know what you know like
1: what a... in my experience scouts don't like to talk about a ton is like when a guy's really good it's not really what they get paid they don't get paid to be like oh he's good it's obvious when a guy is good scouts job is to you have all these guys who are high level professional players or you know high level amateur players if you're an amateur scout and their job is to figure out which ones aren't as good to some to some extent I mean then it's also identifying the guys who really pop. But sometimes that happens through a lot of the job is process of elimination. Everyone knows who the great players are, mm-hmm. so scouts well, like to criticize
0: people. <laughs> they 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 do, and I'll tell you, I was listening to a uh, a podcast that Jeff Passan was on, and he was talking about Otani and like Otani's first spring training, and that he had he did something where he like hangs out with uh, you know several scouts that he knows, and you know kind of picks their brain. You have some beers, some tacos, you know, whatever. And one of the scouts was like, "Yeah, Otani. Yeah, he'll be a pitcher in a couple years. Like that's it. (laughs) All right. Well, that
1: calls my entire (laughs) point invalid. Either that, or is that scout still employed? (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, it's
0: it's a hard business. All right, it's hard. Oh, it
1: really is. It, It it's so hard to be right in this job. And and again, like if you're right." 50% Fifty percent of the time in scouting or being a baseball executive, you're you're probably one of the best to ever do it.
0: Yeah, exactly. And you know, it's not it's not an easy solution from a Scott Harris perspective either. You know, in regards to the Cole Keith thing, because he's got to take into all the, you know, rookie status stuff and timers and you know, comp- yeah, he's got to take a lot into consideration. And that feels like as of now, they've tried not to essentially put the top-ish prospects in a position to get exposed, which yeah. I think overall is a good thing. But, you know, certain guys don't need that protection, yeah. and maybe Keith is one of them.
1: I'm going to say, like, I don't think he'll be up in July. That'd be a big surprise. Um, now, August, I think you got to start having that discussion. The rosters, it in September. And so, let, let's check in August 1st. We'll probably talk about some more towering Keith home runs before then, but let's <laughs> check in August 1st to see if we're ready to bump up Cole Keith.
0: I did uh, speaking of a couple guys, or one of them's in Toledo, and one of them probably will be here pretty soon on a rehab situation. Who do you think's more likely to pitch again for the Tigers this year? Joey Wentz or Spencer Turnbull? Uh Joey Wentz. Joey Wentz. Right now sports a 6.78 ERA uh, and Turnbull's latest, uh, I didn't see Sunday's report, but the latest injury report update was he was going to have a, uh, was it touch and field bullpen? Yeah. Is that the, that's yes. the terminology? What is that? Is that as, it's, what does it's, that it's mean? It's one of those
1: baseball terms that doesn't really mean <laughs> anything. I think it—it it is a step forward. It means he got on the mound, kind of threw a little bit. Does this hurt? He's probably, Tinkering, messing around more than like throwing a regimented bullpen with the cameras on and and the the radar on and everyone watching him. But he got up, he threw he threw off a mound a bit. That's what I interpret a touch and feel. Maybe he kind of tinkered with multiple like fastball and slider, you know, some of his different pitches, just to see how it feels. Kind of a little session. That is a step in the right direction. Here's an idea that hasn't got talked about though a lot. What if Spencer Turnbull gets traded? His stock is far from at its highest, but you know, if I'm a, a team, like maybe tack him on to a deal with a, a reliever or even, I don't know, tack him on to an Eduardo trade or something like that. If I'm a team that's looking for a little bit of a project, maybe not a guy who I think is going to push me over the top this year, but a guy I think let's give him full spring training, feel really good about our rotation next year, I'd be calling about Spencer Turnbull. If you're the Tigers, can you get any return there? I suppose that is the question. Um, But I think that is something to watch going forward. With Wentz, look, he really struggled. He he struggled just throwing quality strikes. But we've seen him succeed at this level. I think he has the stuff to be a 3-4 type Major League starter. He's got some things to go work on and put them together. But I think he's back up here eventually and probably by the end of the year. Probably post-trade deadline when... (laughs) <laughs> likely Eduardo or someone else is gone.
0: Well you know, it's it's strange to think that the uh the starting rotation coming into the year has all been dipped down in some fashion, whether injury or demotion and and Wentz you just felt bad for him out there, you know, it's like a guy oh. that just clearly clearly talk to him every
1: time post game. It was it was it was demoralizing. It was like looking at a sad puppy, man. He felt <laughs> you could tell he was feeling it mentally.
0: Yeah, and sucks. So hopefully, you know, he gets his stuff, you know, squared away in Toledo. And and in regards to Turnbull with the trade thing, that's interesting because I think Turnbull is probably like a pretty good, pretty good example of the I can talk myself into guy. I can talk myself into trying to take a chance on Turnbull yeah. with some controllable years left. And uh, right, because I think he's at least two, maybe two, two. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so you know, I could. You know, given in my system, you know, like everyone thinks their system is better than the previous teams, you know what I mean? So you're given my system and my coaches to work on them, and I wouldn't want know.
1: to see Spencer Turnbull go to the Dodgers or the Rays. Man, he seems like a guy they could they could do some nasty stuff with.
0: Uh, I mean, I I tend to agree. I tend to agree there. Uh, okay, Cody, let's let's go in terms of just things smacking me in the face. Also, uh, I was like. Oh crap! Uh, draft is next week. Uh, I got here quick, <laughs> and, and 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 it's become an increasingly heavy. Uh, part of our uh of our podcast, and I went to one of the games. I went to this week, the Wednesday game, the Joey Wentz game. Was uh, I went with some of the guys uh, from college, and like you know, I still play like softball with you know all these years later, and one of them is like a huge LSU fan. I know, we went to Oklahoma State, but he grew up in Baton Rouge, so he's a huge LSU fan. And so, he congrats to LSU Tigers on uh, winning the the College World Series. It looked like, a I think it was one of the heavily rated uh, College World Series in recent years. It was, it was. a lot of fun. Yeah. Lankford had a moment or two. Like, yeah, it was a lot of fun to watch. He said he heard, and this is a guy that would be on message boards, so, wherever
1: <laughs> it's worth. Very official information.
0: Wherever, wherever it's worth. But he said that he heard, he's like, I'm not sure Pittsburgh's going Cruz. They want he, he, he I think he said the the Pirates want Cruz to uh to take less, to go underslot. And and Cruz has been resistant to that idea. So maybe this automatic 1 2 3 that we think is going to happen, maybe that maybe this really does have a wild card uh, element to to this draft. So uh that becomes what does Washington do, right? You know, does Washington, who the whole time has had schemes, you know, kind of slotted there. Is it possible, Cody? Is it possible? Can we dream? Can Cruz fall the three? Is that something that could? Or I'll say this. Let me ask this. Can Cruz fall the three? And then is there a prep pitcher that's going to come in and kind of swoop in at the last second, asking for uh, asking <laughs> for a friend?
1: I think there's zero chance the Tigers will take a prep pitcher at three this year. That one I say with confidence. Everything else here, I'm a little bit between message boards and uh, reporting this as fact, but you know, there's a lot of draft buzz in the industry right now, and I've certainly heard the exact same thing about Cruz. That seems to be the idea that Pittsburgh's trying to go under slot, as they did with Henry Davis, as so something they like to do, and that Cruz is being like, no, why would I do that? In which case, that leaves things open a little bit. Wyatt Langford, could he go one? Would he be willing to go under slot? Some people think so. And then the consensus for a long time has been that the Nationals are fixated on Paul Skeens. We will see if that one bodes true, but that I don't know if I've seen anyone disagree with that idea. So things seem to be going well for the Tigers here. As long as they don't mess it up and take Kyle Teal... (laughs) who I'm sure is a fine ball player, but before it was like, all right, you're going to get Langford or Cruz. And now it's like the Tigers could walk away with the guy. Most people consider the best player in this entire draft class, which if you go back to the draft lottery in San Diego, when you saw Rob Metzler, like not really sure if he was allowed (laughs) to smile or not, as the Tigers got bumped up a couple extra spots in the inaugural MLB draft lottery, that's starting to seem like a great fortuitous break um a lot probably still to happen here in this next week but if i'm the tigers right now if i'm scott harris if i'm rob metzler i'm thinking all right i think we can crack a smile a little bit i think this <laughs> is going a direction we like
0: is it's so funny like it, pittsburgh has a chance to take the general number one overall player yeah, you know, like the consensus number one overall player obviously having the first pick or the best pitching prospects and Steven Strasberg could they pass on both like you, like Some, that...
1: it's not like Langford is like much of a drop if any from Cruz, though you're right that is that is probably a little bit of the thinking there
0: yeah that that would that would be absolutely wild because uh Keith law friend of the podcast just put out another mock I don't know if it's going to be his last I think it was his third. I bet he does
1: uh, one more.
0: Yeah, probably does one more because, like I said, the buzz is obviously only going to grow as we uh, approach Sunday. He had Skeens going one to Pittsburgh, and then Cruz yeah, falling away to Pittsburgh. Interesting. Yeah, he, had, he had Skeens to Pittsburgh, Cruz going right there at two, and he had so it was basically the consensus top three that we read in every mock just flipped one and two. And then he had because so he had Lankford going third to the Tigers, but okay. he did say. That uh, I'll quote him right here. I've heard weird rumblings that the Tigers are considering Kyle Teal or another p- college player who might take a deal here. Uh, he says he likes Teal, but he's not at the level of Lankford or, or either of the yeah. high school uh, high school outfielders. Yeah. That'd be Clark. And the, and
1: the, and this is one I have still heard pretty much nothing from actual Tigers people about their thoughts on Kyle Teal. There's been some buzz, some outside speculation that it's like more of a plan B if something weird happens. Maybe the prep guy or the uh, cruise in Langford would somehow go 1-2. But I wish I felt a little more like assured that that's the case. And I'm going to be all sitting right here today. If there's one thing you want to be <laughs> reason to tune into the draft and, and maybe even be a little bit nervous, it's that. I'm not a thousand percent sure what the deal is there.
0: It's a a strange situation overall, and...
1: I would say, as much as I don't like the move, for those who are afraid of drafting pitchers, it's probably very good that the Tigers are are doing due diligence on another prep, or uh, excuse me, college bat. One thing I think we can feel confident, they really want a college bat, which generally is a great draft strategy that people like.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well... They're you know, just not going to
1: like it if you pass on someone else to, right, to get right. a catcher.
0: <laughs> well, the, maybe, let's talk about the – let's say Cruz and Langford go one and two in some order. And you got Paul Skeens right there. And you've worked out Max Clark. We all know you worked out Max Clark. I assume you worked out Jenkins. Uh, there's a Kyle Teal in the air. <laughs> What are people going to be more yeah, comfortable like, with? Yeah. <laughs> I think I I'll say it, I'll say it right here. I think in that circumstance, I'd probably I'd probably take Skeens. As much as I am Mr. Anti-Pitcher, I just don't know if the two best players in the draft positionally go, and then the generational pitching prospect, and I get to say for the rest of my life on my resume I passed on him for. You know, and yeah, you know, I would be very, knows?
1: very curious to know what they actually think of Clark and Jenkins, though. I think those guys are pretty good.
0: I mean, they have they're as hyped as I can remember. Like it's so weird, like the the groupings that, of this draft. Like, and I think one of the best things that you said a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about this Kyle Teal buzz was, you know, in a different draft, this would make a lot of sense right. with with all, with all the with the with the outfield talent, both prep and, and, and college, available. And I think you also, if you're Scott Harris, you gotta keep in mind, like, this is Scott's... Scott doesn't have the history of the Detroit Tigers wearing on him in terms of the draft, you know, and, and misses and consequences and, and all that stuff. So if he thinks Skeens is the best player available at that time, he's gonna take him and not because... and not He's not gonna not take him because... Tigers fans have anxiety over pitching prospects and pitchers in the in the major leagues. You know he's gonna he's gonna have to right. have he, you right. know like that's that's how it works, man. And again, if you if you just want to play it out, like if this guy reaches somewhat level of his potential, a school Schubel, I mean, who knows with Mize, who knows with Manning. But if you can have Skeens and bowl at the top in two years. You know, like that—that's a good start, and then you fill it in with free agents, or Mize develops into a pitcher that you know we think he's capable of, or Manning. You don't feel so bad about Matt Manning if you have Paul Skeens uh, developing at the rate, and then who knows, maybe maybe Jackson Job turns into a, a guy. And all of oh, he's so
1: good. Ma- Jackson Job, yeah. by the way, is back and throwing in Lakeland a a little quicker than people might have thought. You know, so can't just write off Jackson Job he had yeah. a back injury. Think back to spring training. People are like, oh, Joe Job's made some real progress. And then injury came along.
0: I, I'm, oh, I don't know. Bottom, I, I, what I, did I say? Like, the, I don't know. Maybe we both said it over, over a couple weeks ago. The bottom line is you have the third overall pick. You have a chance to take a stud. A stud, a stud, a stud. I'm not saying Kyle Teal's not a stud. But... When you have all these other options available, like I think you got to go with the higher, the higher profile guy, unless you just really have something good going, uh, you know, to use that money to go under slot later or whatever. Um, I,
1: I agree. I mean, you either take Skeens or I really, really like Max Clark, and I haven't seen him in person ever once, so I'm not going to just like beat the table for him. But I would take Skeens or Max Clark before I took Kyle Teal that were me
0: yeah I agree and you know I thought there would it's so funny like I don't have like a guy that I'm like in love with uh like I had the previous couple years um but mainly but it's not because I don't like think all these guys are you know could be great or whatever it's just because it has been so just like routine to see Langford slot at three so you're just kind of like oh all right well they'll get Langford. I think Langford's awesome I thought that'd be a great pick but like it wouldn't be like cool to be like, Oh yeah, you got to draft Langford. It. It's like, yeah, right. well eh, everyone else kind of thinks that too. What'd <laughs> he to be an original content creator? <laughs> but, but I, I think, I think we could be in for some good drama and let's just say Cruz does fall to three, the Tigers take him. And that's another thing too. I'm also curious about is could the Tigers be caught off guard by Cruz falling to three? Like, it, well, they
1: shouldn't be. We're, <laughs> hey Scott Harris, don't be cut off guard. This is one possibility. There, from soft.
0: <laughs> uh, what I mean is that like they're they, they w- wouldn't have as much homework done or whatever on him as opposed to let's just say like Clark. If whatever. they
1: haven't had someone stationed in Baton Rouge for the past year, they were doing
0: it wrong. That's true. They should have had someone in Baton Rouge the entire time. But I guess I mean like you don't think he's that you don't think he's gonna be there all of a sudden he is there but what if he made a promise I, I guess this is kind of what I'm really getting at uh, and if you're Scott Harris are you in your first draft are you gonna go back on a promise to another like player slash you know agent because all these guys probably yeah. are, like the big time agents you yeah. know that that could happen I'm just saying it's on the board it's on the board to happen so. Tigers could get cruised and all of a sudden the draft lottery becomes a, a lot of fun. Uh, an idea that <laughs>
1: I'm is... not, I'm not going to make fun of it as much next year. <laughs>
0: <laughs> You're not going to have the opportunity to, um, all right. Now a little side piece of news here, Cody, we did see our first sort of like buyers at the deadline, make a move. Uh, and it was a this Chapman going from the Royals to the Rangers that, Rangers fans, you ask them their biggest source of anxiety, it is the bullpen. And now you get a guy that's a huge name and a huge arm. Uh, I don't think he's, uh, he's like 35. So obviously he's not what he used to be. But they obviously think there's something there that is useful. And I always like to kind of like assess, excuse me. I always like to assess these first trades to kind of see like where the league is market-wise. And this wasn't really much. They didn't, the Rangers gave up. A pitcher and like a seven like you know essentially they're christian santana or whatever like a guy that they just signed that you know 17 18 years old yeah. so i don't really think there's much to make from it obviously bullpen arms is something that scott harris is gonna have to you know self-assess as well and what the market is or isn't for these guys so uh i i asked one of my rangers fan buddies like you know would you guys be in the market for like erod He's like, I don't think they're going to want to give up the price that the Tigers would most likely ask for, is, is kind of what he thought.
1: Yeah. Um, I can tell you for a fact the Rangers have had eyes on him. That's not necessarily a revelation. The Rangers have had eyes on a lot of people. The Rangers have multiple teams, contending teams, have had eyes on Erod. You're probably right about the return, but I think they're going to have at least a soft interest And, yeah, I don't think this deal, the Chapman deal, reflects much about the market. Cole Reagans, the left-handed pitcher, kind of an interesting guy, but super, super injured and hasn't been great this year. I don't know much of anything about Ronnie Cabrera other than he's 17, so probably no one knows anything about him. Uh, So if I'm Texas, I'm thinking, all right, we got Chapman, like, for... Pretty much nothing. I feel great about that deal, and I like that they did it early. The Roy- the Royals had been shopping Chapman for a long time already. Uh, but I like that, you know, I, I've always thought, like, the deadline exists largely because deadlines get things done. But if you're a team who's trying to improve your team, why does everyone wait until July 31st, August 1st? Part because it kind of sets the market, right? But if you really know you want a piece, go out and get the piece. And so I like that the Rangers did that
0: and you get an extra month of Exactly. Uh, of him impacting the win loss record, yeah. right? Yeah. Huh. All right, Cody, I think uh you know, it just occurred to me. We're almost an hour into this thing, and we basically didn't really talk about the Rocky series. And you know, that's part of the week. I mean, I was at all four games of the Texas series and there were the big picture topics and Ash got away from me for a second. Uh Tigers win 4 and 3 on the week pretty good i like the graphic i'll probably make this a part of the title of the podcast they went out west which is funny to me because like obviously texas isn't the west even though they're in the west you you see what i'm saying um most of that stuff kind of held true with what we were talking about with the texas series matt manning uh not even concerned about the numbers just kind of felt the same to me to be honest uh and tyler alexander did kind of have to eat it a little bit but still the mirror we were just talking about the texas series you know how you know what i saw with my own eyes yeah Um, for sure and you know, 14 runs, two grand slams, won the prettiest game. Kind of went a little long. I thought for sure they would be done by the time uh, they announced the All Stars. All Stars. Uh, we would joke all the time, "Who's this team's All Star?" I don't think I, I don't they didn't take any betting slips on Michael Lorenzen. Now I don't want this to take away for just like a cool moment for him and his family, first time All Star. You know. It, He's had his run in the major leagues where things didn't go his way. I'm not trying to take away anything from that. But from a pure objective perspective, I was like, whoa. So I jotted down some numbers. Now, this might be a little off, but the gist will be the same. He's 52nd in the American League in strikeouts. He's 35th in innings pitched. It's 82. He has 52 strikeouts. And his ERA... Is around 25th. He's a 4'2", uh, 8 ERA guy. Starting pitcher. I'm shocked. I, I am completely like blind. <laughs> I thought it was a yeah, joke. Uh,
1: I'm glad you just read off all those numbers because I'm sitting here live trying to see where he ranks in War. In Fangraph's War. He is 54th among, I guess that's major league pitchers. Uh, but generally that does not justify an all-star. I'm going to go out here, and I'm going to say our guy Jason Foley was straight up snub. Two two three ERA. I think he's better than Gregory Soto was at this time last year. I almost wonder if some of the things we just talked about with the Tigers' bullpen being overused might have went into this. Did AJ place a call and like, hey, don't take any of my relievers? <laughs> like, we cannot have them throwing anymore? Uh, I really don't know. Michael Lorenzen, he's been a... A great guy to cover. He's been solid for the team. But I must say, hard to glance at his stat line, 99 ERA+. plus, So, a below-league average adjusted ERA. It's not like he is exceeding his FIP. That's 4.32, his ERA is 4.38. I'm, like, trying to justify it and having a hard time.
0: Yeah, I mean... That's part of this is just general shenanigans that go into like the All-Star selection process when you have to have every team represented and uh I've never been anti that. I think it's fine. Um but it's it's something. It's something. So, since he was, you know, just got named an All-Star for the first time in his career, I don't know who else to put at HKG other than him at number 1 and this was a great this was a great Scott Harris week by the way. <laughs> we 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 should also mention that. So your free one of your and obviously the boy thing sucks in terms of the guys you brought onto the team, but one of your free agency signings makes an all-star team. Uh Jay Hen, an acquisition makes the futures roster. You get your most valuable trade asset back on schedule to uh to pitch. Scoobles coming back, you know, that's obviously good for the team. Abanez has had a Tear of a month, probably it mean, was named the best player positionally uh, for the Tigers, including home runs against his former team. Matt Vierling continues to rake. I don't know, pretty good week for Scott Harris. Might be his best week so far, honestly.
1: You're not wrong, but let's give another shout-out to Al Avila, because I was thinking, who else could have been the Tigers all-star? Do you know who? This is before Sunday's game. I had this thought. When Jake Rogers homered, What about Jake Rogers? This number is not updated with his latest homer. 1.6 war third among American league catchers trailing only Jonah Heim and Adley (laughs) Russia. That's I think. And with elite defense, like I think that makes more sense than, than Michael Lorenzen.
0: I mean, I, I, You know what? I I didn't even think of that and I think you're correct. Another like you said, another home run today. So I mean his stats continue to improve and I again, I've said this for about like a couple months now. He's the catcher, right? Like I don't know if there's
1: he you know. has very much become the catcher. That's another thing that's almost kind of quietly happened, but that transition mm-hmm. has been felt. And
0: it, like I, I was at the Rangers game on Thursday, and I was talking to one of my buddy's dads, and he was like, "How we let a guy batting 190 get a hit here? You know, come on." And I want to be like, "Well, you know, <laughs> yes, he is batting 190, but he has got like double digit home runs, so it's not like he can't hit, you know. So uh, and he basically right. should have had two today. I mean, not should have, but you know, given give or take a foot or whatever, however close that first uh, f- that foul ball before his uh, home run actually really." could have had two today if not for maybe like the wind or something so uh so yeah so shout out alavila baby you know you didn't think you'd get that in, on july 2nd uh in, in 2023 <laughs> <laughs> oh man that was fun covered a lot of topics on this pod one of my more uh more fun podcasts so far probably because i got to rehash some of the times i had talking baseball with you in person which was a lot of fun and talking about the game with my dad and stuff anything else Cody, you want to talk about before we get out of here no I think we're good alright well you can follow Cody on Twitter at Cody Stavenhagen I am at Kieran underscore Steckley the pod page is at TurnCornerPod subscribe rate review YouTube and Apple and Spotify so you can see our pretty faces and hear our lovely voices sexy voices I think uh, one of our commenters said uh, uh, a while back so for Cody Stavenhagen I am Kieran Steckley everybody have a great week and a happy fourth of July.